Hello, hello. Here we hey, are. Maddie. Hey, Maddie. Hey, everyone. <laughs> so here we are. It's Tuesday again. Look at that. Um, and like every week, we have a good work-related topic to talk about. Um, but this week, we have a super special surprise. Um, but before we get to that, um, I, let's do some introductions. So I'm Maddie Grant. I am a culture consultant and a digital strategist, and my company is called Propel. And um, obviously work with uh, culture-related topics, so very interested in um, you know, happiness and, and just fulfillment in the workplace. And I'm here with my super good friend, Sonia. <laughs> Sonia, you want to? Hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I'm Sonia. I'm an organizational psychologist, have this amazing pleasure of joining Maddie every Tuesday to talk about um, some really important issues when it comes to work, when it comes to life. My passion lies in, much like Maddie's, creating incredible organizational cultures and just finding ways to make people happier at work, outside of work, wherever we are, just putting smiles on people's faces. Um, today, if some of you have joined our shows before, you can probably tell I sound really nasally. <laughs> I have um, a little bit of a cold, so hopefully my voice will last all the way through our time, <laughs> only 20 minutes. And like Maddie said, we're very fortunate to have a special guest today. So I think we're going to have a really interesting and very dynamic conversation. So really excited to kick us off. Yeah, so unusually today, we decided not to start off with a data point, which is what we usually do, um, because we thought it'd be much more fun to just you know, bring somebody on to chat with us. But before we do that, let's just um, talk a little bit about what our topic is. So I found this really interesting article from uh, the Harvard Business Review, and the title of it is um, Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. So like, whoa, controversial. Um, but I think we just thought it'd be, it'd be interesting to just talk about, you know, what is imposter syndrome in the first place? And then we can dig a little bit into, you know, why we should stop telling women to not, you know, think they have it. <laughs> but let's, um, Sonia, you're the organizational psychologist. Do you know, do you have a good um, definition, I guess, of what imposter syndrome is, just so we get a Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So actually for me, it was kind of surprising because given my field of study, it was actually a relatively new phenomenon that I heard about maybe a year or two ago. And I think it's been something that's been around or coined since at least the 70s. So it's certainly not new. It was more new to me and maybe not as much in the mainstream. And essentially feeling the imposter syndrome, it can happen to anyone, but we tend to talk about it happening to women. And what it is, is this feeling that when you accomplish something, whether you celebrate a success or you're put into a new role, you feel like you don't deserve it. You feel like I'm in this and did I trick somebody? I don't really have the skill set. How did I happen to be in this place? So in a way, it doesn't matter how hard you work to earn something, 
you feel like maybe you don't deserve to be there. So I would say that's probably the simplest definition of the imposter syndrome, um, I think, that, that I can share. Yeah, and I think another place that it shows up is actually when you're um, interviewing for a job, right? We know that there's lots of statistics around women um, needing to feel like they basically have 90 to 100% of the skill set in a job description before they'll um, try and interview for a position. Whereas men, and of course this is a, a gross generalization, but there's actual data that shows that men like <laughs> barely look at the job description and they'll be like, oh, I can do this. <laughs> you know, like they sort of come, come across with more confidence maybe. Um, and so, What's interesting about the HBR article is that it's basically saying that even though the concept of imposter syndrome definitely predates the recent uh, Me Too movement and all of that um, gender inequality um, discussion, um, it does not predate gender inequality, <laughs> just to be clear, um, but it predates the gender inequality discussion <laughs> that's been very top of mind lately and that that it could be sort of the patriarchy basically saying that the reason women feel like they don't belong in high powered positions is because you know men do a better job or should do a better job so it's kind of like a a systemic construct that is not real you know and that we need to you know, just yet another glass yeah. ceiling basically so anyway, all super interesting yeah. stuff. So I figured, well, we both figured we should invite a super smart woman at the top of her game to come along and chat with us about this. So we would like to bring in Shana Glickfield. Hi, Shana. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. I realize now Welcome I should have put a little more info in my name when I said <laughs> Yeah, so Shana, I'll just give the... Um, the background and the reason why I thought you would be perfect to chat with us. So Shana and I um, have known each other for 12 years, something like that. And we yeah. both started out basically in the social media strategy arena. Um, so back in 2007, 2008, 2009, it was all new. It was all, you know, the remit of young people, right? And so, and we were, um, we had, but we both had consulting firms that were uh, all about teaching organizations how to use these new tools. Um, but I think what was interesting, and this topic just brought up this memory, is that you know we were young women brought in specifically because we had the skills to talk about these things that nobody really knew how to use. Yeah. So it's almost like unusually, you know, the fact that we were younger um, was almost like a plus. Yeah. And I, I remember this one time we both spoke at this conference. I don't know if you remember this, Shana, but it was I, out, I know exactly the manufacturing. It was out in, yes, it was out in Virginia, and it was just looking out at this room full of men, you know, in their 50s and 60s. And and just the two of us, like, you know, up on stage, like talking about our social media stuff and, and mm -hmm. 
trying to sound smart, but we were smart. Like we knew what we were talking about. So it was just a really, a really interesting picture. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily have that same advantage of working in a completely new field with, you know, new stuff. So where your, your youth is like an asset, you know? Yeah, no, I remember those days well. Um, and I think it's hard, especially like in my field or, you know, your field, digital communications. And I'm sure for almost any industry now where information just comes out so quickly and we're all expected to know what the latest and greatest is. And it's like on top of the news cycle, on top of whatever else is going on, like, um, and the truth is everyone's in kind of information overload and everyone's industries are moving at light speed. And so owning your expert status really means just knowing you're still curious and that you're, you're, you know, taking it in as quickly as just anyone else can possibly take it in. Um, you know, I definitely feel like that in, in digital communications, like now, okay, all my clients are asking me, do I have to be an expert in TikTok and Clubhouse now? Like, it's not that and the algorithms are constantly changing. And the truth is, I can't, nobody can keep up with this. Um, and so... I own my expertise by knowing I'm still curious and I'm still interested. And that's how I define and, and own my seat at the table is I'm not giving up. I'm not done and saying I'm tapped out. And, and, and I think that's really the true differentiator is um, it's okay to say you don't know about something or I'll check or yeah, I've heard about that, but I'm not positive um, because yeah. there's so much information and no matter what the industry that if you, if someone's sitting there saying they know it all and they've gotten to the end of the internet, um, good for them. <laughs> so um, let's give a very quick recap just for people who might be joining us right now. Um, so we are here um, work at life. We talk about workplace, topics. And we're here with uh, Shana Glickfield, who's our first ever guest on the show. Um, and we are talking about imposter syndrome today. So Shana, let me ask you a question because I know that so you have a PR, PR firm, basically. Yeah. And you run it with is it three partners? Yeah, who are all men, yes. right? Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that was like sort of at the beginning? Um, yeah. Did you feel any kind of imposter syndrome or intimidated by them or anything like that? Like as you were. Yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge was really when we were starting the company. I knew we were all really good at what we did and we came together because we and I felt I, I feel like I own my expert status there and then. Um, the hardest thing for me was that when you're starting a company, then you need to bring clients in. And they all had a lot more sales experience than me. And sales is definitely a place where women have a lot of imposter syndrome. And I was really nervous to like be like, yeah, I belong in, in this partnership. I can do sales. I can bring in X amount of dollars a year just like you can. And it made me really nervous behind the scenes. And I just told myself I can do this. And then what's funny is I secretly ended up hiring a sales coach um, and I was embarrassed and I didn't want them to know. And I hid that from them that I hired this sales coach because I knew I needed to figure it out because I told them I could do it. And now I need to be able to do it. And I think that's typical women thing to be like, I, 
know your weakness and get help. And in fact, I sourced a sales coach who specialized in women because women tend to have more issues around mm. being assertive about money and closing deals and things like that. And so um, I found a, a woman to be my coach and um, I forgot when it was, it was still er very early in the partnership. And then I decided to just say it. I think my sales were a little low. And I said, I know I'm a little lower, but I want you to know I'm getting help. I'm working with a sales coach. And I expected them to like look down on me or judge me or anything. And I swear they all got really intimidated. And they're like, you have a sales coach? Like, well, should we get sales coaches? Like, it was <laughs> there the fear in them of like kind of me getting ahead wow. or having an advantage or whatever like they're intimidated by me like i'm getting extra help and i just realized like they come to me for things i go to them for things and um i think the important thing is not saying no to an opportunity because you can't do it right then and there it's identifying the gap and committing to fill that gap yeah well it's so just awesome that you mentioned the coach. I was hoping you would um, because we, so um, at Propel, we just started a mastermind for um, senior executives, C-suite women in associations specifically. Mm. And, and the response, we just sent out an invitation to a, a whole list of, of women. And the response was incredible that all of these CEOs were, just really eager to join this group um, to talk about challenges and stuff. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I was so happy to see, you know, that, that there was such a great response, but it also shows that a, we're not afraid to say that these things can help us, you know, as we're moving up. And these are specifically CEOs who are either, um, you know, moving up in the, on the pathway to being, a CEO for a bigger association, or they're towards the end of their career, potentially mm. of advice to share. So it's like the both ends of the spectrum. Um, but, you know, like they're, they're all just so interested in sharing their stories and being both a mentor and a mentee, which is also mm. an interesting yeah. thing for those of us who are in our mid career or mid life, um, is you can be both, right? Like there's lots right. of people younger than us, like many, many. <laughs> um, but there's, but we're still like we have, you know, decades still to go in our yeah. work life. So yeah, you're actually reminding me. I think I joined a few different like women in entrepreneurship groups. If anything, looking back now that we're talking about it, I probably overdid it a little bit. I'm like, I need all the information to make sure <laughs> I'm well prepared for this entrepreneurship journey. But in the end, you know, joining the women's groups provided a lot of community, a lot of honesty and things that I don't think um, necessarily I would have found in general groups. So I like the idea of the gender kind of division yeah. in a way. Yeah, it feels like there's more openness and more vulnerability and more willingness to say, yeah. like, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing or, yeah. you know. I made some wrong choices, but now I know, and here's my lessons learned or whatever. It feels like a different kind of conversation than you get with pure um, sort of skills-based groups. Right, yeah. yeah. And I was wondering between, because I think both of you have such incredible experiences when it comes to this, and both of you have done very proactive things, like 
Shana, you mentioning, oh, I, I went out and I got a coach because you also realized that there was maybe a lack in experience. And I know, Maddie, one of the things you and I were talking about is like the individual's responsibility to seek out, to understand maybe that bias within themselves or that concern or that syndrome. And then also the organization's role. And we talked a little bit about Patty McCord, who was the chief HR people officer in Netflix and how she in salary negotiations was a proponent of saying, I know a woman's gonna ask for less money, but I wanna give her what I believe she deserves. So even if she asks for you know, $50,000, but it's a $70,000 position, I want to give the 70 because I want to shrink that gap. So I was curious, you know, to your both of your great ideas and points, what are some of your thoughts or suggestions about what organizations can do? So for women that maybe don't realize, so you work with two different things almost. One is the self-doubt, even when you have the skills, because all of us need to learn and grow in a role, but you still doubt yourself and you wonder if I'm good enough. Mm -hmm. And then in the second part, when you do have some skills that you're readily saying like, I can be amazing at this, but I know I need to learn this a little better. So it's that the person role versus also what can the organization do proactively for women that are maybe not as aware or what is available or are worried to say I need help because I feel like I have this gap, I'd almost rather hide it. But in a lot of cases, they might not do anything about it. Um, mm -hmm. And just their anxiety will grow if, you know, is somebody gonna find me out that I don't know this well enough? Well, like when is the, you know, the other shoe gonna drop kind of concern? Right, well, for me, um, it's, there's, a, there's definitely a trend towards being a learning organization which basically means, and I think this is very much to do with the digital revolution in general, but I think there's much more of an understanding that you, you have to constantly be learning and constantly be evolving. So even if it starts with skills, it's also like a culture, right? A culture of learning. So knowing that you, know, you might start with providing professional development on you know tactical things, but the idea that it's okay to, or even encouraged to, to be signing up for groups and signing up for classes and signing up for webinars that, you know, and all of that kind of stuff, um, I think is, is more and more important. Um, and there's, it feels like with some organizations, there's kind of a, a networking or mastermind or peer to peer um, piece of that, not all of them, but that's also something that's, that's getting better, I think. Like the idea of having a coach is not so weird anymore, you know? And, and in communications and PR, it is a heavily women-dominated industry. Um, and so I think like, if anything, you know, we have to make sure our women are inclusive <laughs> um, of the guys in our office. And I'm, I'm impressed with the young women and how assertive they are. If anything, I would want that more for our VP, SVPs who didn't come up in the time of like, all right, business, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> um, so in making sure everyone is taking advantage of all the resources our business offers, like Maddie was saying, in terms of professional development, when we could travel, are you going to conferences? Are you, you know, doing the learning and being curious? Um, I think there's a lot of interest in, in knowing how to get to the next level. And so that's something that my business has been working really hard on is, is making very clear lines so that um, folks know how to grow and it's not 
a guessing game and that it's very easy to say I am at this level now. Oh yeah, that's really awesome. Cause I think that's actually unusual. Even in big companies, it's like fuzzy how you yeah. get from A to B and you know, go move up the ladder or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> There is still a ladder. Um, but oh my God, 20 minutes is over already. Saying <laughs> I would go super fast. Always, there's always more to talk about. And we're like, done. Yeah, 20 <laughs> minutes is nothing. Nothing. But um, yes, thank you so much for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having I mean, me. I knew you would be a great example of. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like it's something I've grown, I grew into and grew out of. And I, I hope um, women now more than ever have the resources and inspiration to just step out of that. Yeah. Great, and so um, as always, um, any topics um, that you all have from the audience, you know, send them in. Uh, you know, you know how to find us. We always love to to chat about all the different things that are top of mind. Um, and I think we are ready to sign off for today. Sonia, do you have any last words? No, just thank you everybody for coming, for all the women out there, feel like you've earned it, try to fight the imposter syndrome if you're feeling like you're not in the place where you are, because most certainly you are. So it's also something that, um, as we were saying on the call today, it takes a lot of introspective work, working through it, it's a muscle, but um, there women have worked so hard. So I think being able to take a, take a step back and just admire everything that you've accomplished and really enjoy it is really important. So those are my last parting motivational words <laughs> for the day. All right. See y'all later. See you next.